Welcome to Return to Oz Minute, where the podcast that's analyzing the Ferruzabalt classic, Return to Oz, one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And not quite in returning champion status, because it's not consecutive, but returning special guests, <laughs> Rick and Julia Ingham from the Mad Max Minute. Hello there. Hello. Thank you so much for having us back. We're really excited to be here. Oh, welcome back. Uh, Rick and Julia had saved our butts in the past, basically, <laughs> by offering to guest on short notice when uh, someone wasn't able to do a whole week's worth at a time. And I, I felt like you guys have been kind of shortchanged since you had so many thoughts on the movie that we decided to steal you back for a little bit more. So welcome. As I say, Return to Oz is definitely one of those thought-provoking movies. It's hard not to have thoughts about it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I hope uh, some of your thoughts overlap with this minute, which is minute 88. It begins with, uh, well, it begins with the Gnome King sitting back down dramatically. Uh, but it, it's Dorothy preparing for her final guess. And it ends, spoilers for the minute, with Dorothy and the Scarecrow getting ready to rescue a bunch of people. So this is a very exciting start to the week. <laughs> yeah, it starts out uh, with one of the biggest biggest action scenes in the movie, which, following along with a trend of something that's really good and fun and enjoyable, is not in the script. This just isn't in... So how do they do it then? So we, we do get uh, a description of Dorothy... She finds a green jade pincushion, comes closer and closer, and then the Gnome King is just described. That his eyes dart to dart to Mombi. Dorothy finds the brass owl, which she does find a brass bird of some sort, Mm. next to a a green crystal. She says Oz. He says Dorothy, or Scarecrow says Dorothy, and. Heard about the, the Gnome King before, mixed with Mombi, about he will be completely human. Not there. He just goes straight into the next minute. Which... Well, the end of this minute and the next minute into his rant. Which is insane, because... Alright, so I had a lot of questions. You guys said this was a movie was full of questions. Uh, what I have is, when did the Gnome King becoming human become part of the plot? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I was a little confused about how... The characters becoming tchotchkes relates to the Gnome King becoming human. I mean, I have a little bit of a, of, not foresight. I, I could kind of see what he was going for because Mike was mentioning like, oh, look, now he's got human eyes. Now he's more human. And I, yes, but also this was not, I mean, to be fair, he couldn't have said in front of Dorothy, like, yes, as people become objects, I become more human. And when you're an object, I will be human, apparently. But, I mean, we've seen him talking to his little rock minions. He could have mentioned something about his endgame being to become human form. And he did transform, clearly, hundreds, dozens, thousands of people already. Yeah. And he was still a solid rock man until these last few, which have questionable at best humanity uh, being a sofa a vegetable 
and uh, a brass man or a copper man. Like draining life force, it seems like he's reaching the bottom of the barrel here. So two of the characters that seemingly give him life, uh, Jack, the pumpkin guy, and the sofa, the gump, were given life via the powder. So if the Gnome King had just gotten his hands on that powder, would he have turned human? Powder that Mombi has in spades. Yeah, She just has that stuff lying (laughs) around in a spare bedroom. So is that really what he needed? I love the idea that Mombi actually had the ability and... To be fair, maybe didn't know, but that'd be so much better if she's just like, I'm just not going to mention this. (laughs) Just omitting the fact that the life-giving powder would solve all of the Gnome King's issues without having to imprison everybody in tchotchkes. Yeah, she's like, things are going pretty well for me these days. Let's not rock the boat. (laughs) It's a little of the, uh, a little of the Matrix, uh, theory with with the machines getting power from the humans that it takes more energy to keep a human alive like there's sort of a diminishing returns maybe that's why he needed so many he needed the whole set including dorothy because mm. he's you know you're using a magic magic powder to get life out of something that wasn't alive it's only going to give you a little bit maybe maybe negative i don't know and he's very excited that once dorothy's gone no one will remember oz and it's like well that's not accurate because <laughs> I just I have a lot of unsolved mysteries coming out of this scene that I don't think were meant to like be so dramatic. I'm glad you brought that up, Tierney, because it's one of the major things that stuck out to me, and it makes me wonder. Perhaps he was talking about how no one will remember Ozma the person as opposed to Oz the land, because last time I looked, it was the land of Oz. And if there are any other lands that abut against Oz, you know, that would be like, soon no one will remember Canada. And it's like, well, obviously, you know, if you eliminate everyone in Canada, the people next to Canada are still going to remember that it's a place. And so it makes me wonder, like, how widespread was the genocide that he enacted? By taking all the emerald away and turning people into stone or, and all that stuff. Like, was it just Oz? Did he, like, conquer the other things? Oh. I mean, is this guy, you know, fantasy Hitler? This movie is so dark. Well, yeah. when I was originally watching the movie and taking notes, I had written it down as no one will remember Ozma, the person. But right, because that makes sense. They were just sense. talking about Ozma, and that makes sense. Except it doesn't because Dorothy doesn't know Ozma. <laughs> So that can't be the point. <laughs> uh, soon, no one will remember Ozma, and then Dorothy's like, "Jokes on you! I have no idea who you're talking about." <laughs> oh man! Yeah. So in the pre- in the previous minute, uh, the in the script, Mombi says, "No, she's still hidden away," okay. and then the Gnome King just says, "Then there's nothing to worry about. None of the others have guessed right." And neither will, savoring the words, Dorothy Gale from Kansas. So he doesn't. It makes so much really... more sense. I mean, it's super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing we need is more of the Gnome King being creepy about Dorothy. But uh, at least that doesn't stir the pot plot kettle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if perhaps the Gnome King knows that Ozma visited Dorothy. In Kansas, but, in the hospital. But Dorothy doesn't know that Ozma visited Dorothy. 
I, I think no, she, but Dorothy is smart. She figures it out. Like, she would recognize the face. That's true. I just think she hasn't put the name to the face. Yeah, she's one of those rare movie characters that when she meets somebody that she has met before in disguise, that she actually recognizes the face of that person. Yeah. I I feel like he can't have because then he would have completely lost it on Mombi. Uh, he doesn't seem like a guy who really keeps his emotions in check in fraught situations. No. Um, but we have, so, yeah, so I don't know what is going on out here, but he seems perfectly content and Mombi looks kind of worried and I look kind of worried because even though <laughs> I have seen this movie and I know how this goes, I still am like losing it when she holds on to the other object, the, uh, the bird some sort of bird the bird yeah um inst- and like doesn't open her eyes right away i'm like oh my god oh my god please open your eyes <laughs> <laughs> i love how we get that shot of her wandering around just letting i guess fate decide mm. oh, and she knocks over the green crystal <laughs> she does technically touch the green crystal first but then she grabs the bird and then you get the the gloating of the gnome king and that's where he says and i will be completely human and i want to touch on that real quick he wants to be completely human and i gotta wonder if that's at the complete um abandonment of all of his gnome powers because if he becomes human yeah he'll be able to eat eggs and leave the stone of his mountain but he'll also have to learn how to use the bathroom and i feel like that would be a really awkward situation for him he'd like i've never had to do this before how does this work and mom will be like oh gosh here we go I, I question whether <laughs> he really knows what it is to be human. Yeah, yeah. what is like, he? Think you think he's, he's got? He he's got emotional problems right now. Just wait until he's human. <laughs> this is the worst plan ever. Yeah, is he still the gnome king if he is a human? Oh, how terrible would it be if he goes through all of this trouble to become human, and then the rest of the gnomes are like, "You're not the gnome king anymore. You're just a person." Yeah. We don't have to listen to you anymore. And then he'd be like, ah, drat. <laughs> Except he would have a better exclamation than that because the Gnome King has the best exclamations. <laughs> in, in the script, I've never really been able to understand what the Gnome King says. So I don't know if this is it. Uh, but in the script, his his exclamation is smudge and blazes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I had that question. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which I... does, I guess, sound like it. Yeah, I listened to it a couple times, couldn't figure it out. Yeah, Smudge and Blazes is the first one before Dorothy actually finds the Scarecrow. And then later on in the minute, he yells fumes and furnaces. Oh! And that's when he, like, throws the thing in anger. God, I couldn't get either. Fumes and furnaces is the ones that I really was just like, I have have no idea. No idea. (laughs) Although, to be fair, it took me years... And many watchings of A Christmas Story to figure out not a finger. So <laughs> I'm not very good at parsing out <laughs> these sentences when people yell exclamations. Yeah, I had to run out and grab the subtitles because you can just go out and download subtitles for like any movie. I had to go and like find them and then like pull them out and paste them in my notes just so I could keep track of what everybody is saying. And for these minutes in this week, it's a lot of parentheses with descriptions of what's happening, like, you know, grunting and screaming mm. and <laughs> things like that. Gasping. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he's so upset, he needs a cool pyrotechnic effect. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, I'm so, I'm, I'm very pleased the Scarecrow's back. I do not have warm, fuzzy feelings towards the Scarecrow. I, I don't really have anything against him either. I just, he's not Jack. <laughs> I mean, I guess in the 1939 movie, he's perfectly acceptable. Good song. Some people do go both ways is a great line with the arms crossed, but I mean, I, I yeah, I'm I'm happy they're happy is basically what I'm getting out of this reunion. <laughs> it's interesting. They are the the director is banking on a mo- an emotional connection that we made to the scarecrow in our back in our childhood. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we're seeing him in this movie, and we're expected to. Find him endearing. Right. We're expecting Ray Bolger from the 1939 movie. (laughs) What we're getting is Justin Case, which is his name. The actor's name is Justin Space Case. (laughs) Okay. And his, the name Justin Case is so like, that's like a fake name, (laughs) 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 but it's a real person. Possibly a oh. protection program, except maybe it, you shouldn't have become an actor then. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like it. I actually looked up just in case on IMDb. I have his top four handy and a little bit of a his bio. Um, so just in case, he has, like every other actor on IMDb, like a top four movies that he's best known for. And the first one on the list going left to right actually surprised me because I assumed it to be Return to Oz. I assumed that that would be the thing he's best known for because when you look him up on INDB, it's a picture of him in the Scarecrow costume. But no, apparently he's best known as a mime in Superman 3 from 1983. <laughs> also known as the worst Superman movie. <laughs> and that's a race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Return to Oz pops up in the number two spot, and then in the number three spot is Hamlet from 1990. He plays one of the players that come to the castle and do the little play to trap Claudius. And it's funny that he's in that one because that 1990 Hamlet is the one that stars Mel Gibson. So it's kind of a weird connection over to our property. So Cher Horowitz has seen Just In Case. Because yep. that's the one she quotes. <laughs> and then the uh, the final one of the four is a 1997 movie called Final Cut. He actually wrote and directed that one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Justin Case was born in 1950 on November 24th. He's currently 66 years old in London, the UK. He has eight acting credits to his name spanning a 14-year career in film. He's also a celebrated London mime artist who has toured European cities and appeared on the BBC TV with his one-man show. And he was nominated for the Golden Palm Award in 1997 for Best Short Film, which is the one I mentioned earlier, Final Cut. Now see, and we did see him for a second earlier in this movie when uh, he was turned into an ornament because apparently he was just chilling in a cave until Dorothy showed up. Um... (laughs) But yeah, we are we are going entirely off of Dorothy's reaction. Mm-hmm. We don't have the tie to him that she does. So we're supposed to, you know, she was very upset about him being turned into an ornament and cried and we don't want her crying. So I guess it's okay. Um, 
I have one more problem with this minute. You'll be shocked to hear. Um, <laughs> in the book, or I read the graphic novel version, but in the book, Ozma of Oz, when they're guessing in the Gnome King's uh, Palace of Objects, the rules are gone over much more clearly. And they do say, you know, correct guesses don't count towards your total. But in this movie, they don't know that. What makes them <laughs> think they've got unlimited guesses now that she's figured out how to do it? What's to stop him from being like, hope you enjoyed those three guesses. Guess you two can go. <laughs> I mean, you can definitely look at it like, why would a positive answer take away from your total if anything you would assume that if every wrong answer detracts from your amount of guesses that every right answer would either keep you at the same number or give you an extra guess it's not very well defined i would assume if i were dorothy i would assume that these are house rules where the house always has an advantage so whatever you assume the rules will, would be, assume that they are to the house's advantage. I'm glad it's not just that I'm a super cynical person. <laughs> so it's just like, <laughs> what, like, what makes you think you can keep guessing? Nowhere was this well, it's, it's just like the home run derby. When you get to your last ball, you can keep swinging as long as you don't make another out. Of course, the Gnome King also didn't need anyone to guess to turn the Scarecrow into an ornament, so why he doesn't just turn him right back, it's anyone's, anyone's guess. Well, he's honoring the contract he established, <laughs> badly, but verbally, <laughs> with witnesses. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, this, this minute, I had a lot of fun with it because on the one hand, uh, the Gnome King reaction shots are always great. Like, he's just yeah. so good. He's so creepy. So good. And I obviously have recovered from my heart palpitations when she knocks over the green crystal. And I'm, I love the way they're like, all right, we figured it out. Now we're good to go. And they're so excited at the end, just running around. It's really a credit to Dorothy as a precocious little girl that she's able to so quickly latch on to this idea, even though, you know, one point of data does not exactly create a line. <laughs> she just kind of looks at the green crystal and says, oh, okay, he was green, turned into a real person. Therefore, everything green must be someone from Oz. And it's like, okay, you got lucky once, kid. You can keep pushing yeah. and maybe you'll keep winning. But, I mean, this leap of logic could have backfired very quickly. Dorothy, someday you're going to go to college and have to take stats, and you are going to learn that that is not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that the Gnome King used this, this idea of people from Oz being turned into green objects. Because his whole beef with Oz is that they stole his emeralds. <laughs> so this connection that Ozians have with the color green should upset him. I wonder if it's... Because the only reason they have that connection is because they stole them. Yeah. I wonder if that is why the green... Although I, I do love that the Scarecrow is a green crystal. It's mm -hmm. like the biggest middle finger to <laughs> the fact that he ruled the Emerald City. <laughs> trying to think it's 
you're right. I, again, as a kid, I just went with it because you're a kid, and yeah, it makes sense that they're green. Um, in the book I mentioned uh, uh, last week, I believe, I forget which minute though, that in the book Belina overhears how the color coding works. So no one figures it out. She knows, and it's get it's getting her into the palace that's the problem. Oh, that's cheating. That that's it. That's so cheating. It's. I mean, it does make some for some fantastic Belina strutting when she gets in there. Is like, all right, <laughs> I'm doing this. <laughs> no wonder the gnome king hated chickens. I mean, take the whole eggs are poisonous thing off the table, like. They're cheaters. They like eavesdrop and give away secrets. And it's like, talk about ruining the fun. Everyone was ignoring her. So no one noticed that she just settled down for a nap and (laughs) they ignored her and came back to bite them. But yeah, it's, it is here. It is a leap and it works because in the book, there was a reason for that. You know, it wasn't a leap in the book, Um, but it, you know, Spoiler alert for next minute. She's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It kind of makes me wonder if Dorothy had guessed incorrectly what she would have been turned into. Because mm. she's not from Oz. Because no. I don't feel like there's a correlation as to what you're turned into. Like the scarecrow was turned into a crystal. The gump was turned into some little jade rose thing. Jack was turned into a vase. Like there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason no, to it. No, it's just but, the color. Yeah, coding. she's not. She's not from Oz. So would she be green? I don't really think so. No, she'd go back to that uh, brownish color palette that we had at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Let's see the Kansas State color, according to Google. I just typed in Kansas State color, and it says the Kansas State University color is royal purple. Hmm. So I'm not sure if that okay. correlates to the state on a whole or if it's just the the university. I can only picture the Jayhawks mascot. That's not going to help us. <laughs> but I I like that it's royal purple, so she would have matched. And, and maybe she would have turned right near the Scarecrow. They could have sat next to each other for eternity. One royal purple and one royalty, but green. Let's see. Yeah, she probably could have turned into a tiny little purple buffalo because the buffalo is the state animal of kansas or uh maybe a tiny western meadow lark (laughs) or a honeybee maybe she could have turned into the state flower which is a sunflower that would have been pretty nice purple sunflower very against type (laughs) but you know could have been anything really (laughs) there's no rhyme or reason to it yeah what was up on estate sales when the set decorator went looking? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of vases. Yeah, I, interestingly enough, uh, as we've been going through, I've been following the script, which uh, you know, which, which uh, object they touch uh, as the characters are guessing, and none of them have been accurate except for the brass bird or the brass owl. Maybe it's not an owl, but it's definitely a bird. Yeah. All the rest have been completely different. Um, I mean, green pincushion, like the last object had to be green. But other than that, they haven't shared any characteristics. And this could be a flute, because I don't believe that's an owl. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they didn't know what type of bird it was. (laughs) Walter Murch is just looking at it. It's like, 
wish I had my guidebook. <laughs> this isn't a western, but a lark at all. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's fun to speculate, but it's more fun to watch the Gnome King lose his cool. Because <laughs> he was so confident at the beginning of this. He was so sure that as long as Mombe still got Ozma locked up, we are good here. <laughs> and now not so much. Um, so I want to see what happens when Dorothy and the Scarecrow actually start guessing. I assume the Gnome King will just honor the rules that they have imposed and let them rescue everyone. And he and Mombi will just have some, uh, melted limestone and rock cakes and whatever those were. Limestone, limestone pie, pie and hot melted Thank silver. You. I knew something was melted. That shouldn't be consumed by humans. Um, but before we head out so that we can come back tomorrow, uh, Rick and Julio, why don't you take a minute to plug your fabulous, just maybe not quite as dark as this movie? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, surprisingly enough, I don't consider Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior to be quite as dark of a movie as Return to Oz can be at times. Like, sure, it has its moments. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, we've had some pretty heavy conversations. But on the one hand, you don't have to argue quite so metaphysically. So <laughs> if you're up to something a bit more post-apocalyptic, action-y sort of thing without all of the crazy tomfoolery with magic, you can check us out on the Mad Max Minute at madmaxminute.com. You can find us on Facebook on our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. Was there something else? <laughs> and I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, check us out. Nice. We're talking about Road Warrior. <laughs> and Mike, where can they find our warriors? <laughs> Well, you can find our warriors. Hey, we had a the... whole army. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the Re- Return to Oz Minute listeners flying sofa. Uh, an army did sit on the sofa. He's currently indisposed, but we'll get him back. Uh, that's at Facebook. Uh, if you go into groups and search either that or Oz Minute. Uh, Oz Minute's the regular Facebook page. Oz Minute on Twitter, Instagram. There's a few things there. It, it's It's picking up. It's heating up after after some neglect. Uh, or the big site, returntoozminute.com, has links to everything. Um, you can get there through the back door, or the fiery furnace, maybe, of weogtiogpiog.com. And speaking of those magic words, we're going to close out with our ma- version of the magic words. Weog. Tiog. Piog. Piog.